Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Head with Mike Tom. He started off as a veterinarian. Today, he is an evangelist and an apologist. We're joined by Dr. John Abraham. He founded the Lord Jesus Christ as the only Savior of the world when he was a teenager and a student. He decided he wanted to pursue further studies to know more about him so that he would be able to present this truth to the world more convincingly. He eventually did quit his job as a veterinarian to take theological studies. Today, he has put together two books, Doctrine of Law and Grace and Who Rules the World, God or Satan. He'll share more about those two books as well as his journey today on Connections. Our guest today is Reverend Dr. John Abraham. He started off as a veterinarian. Today, he is an apologist and an evangelist. So Dr. Abraham, let's start right there. Tell us a little bit about that journey and what led you down that path. That's right. I, when I was a veterinary college student, I came to know the Lord and accepted him and committed my life for his service. And I started working among the students right away. And we, we had a nice veterinary fellowship in our college. By the time I finished my college, which is about five years course, I almost gathered about 20 students who have come to accept the Lord as their savior. And we were functioning as a nice fellowship group. That's how it started. Then I started participating in other youth meetings, which are challenging to me. And then when I was 19, while I was yet a student, I committed myself for God's service ministry. And then I began to speak to the students, students meetings, seminars. Um, you know, we had a couple of organizations, a scripture union and uh, uh, a few other Christian organizations functioning in our call in our area and in our college. And I joined with them and I started ministering. That's how I started, and then I joined. I was uh, helping and to found a very great uh, youth organization, which we first called as Full Gospel Young Men's Association. But later, it became a a, a real big organization called Blessing Youth Mission, and I was the founding member, one of the founding members of that mission, and now. After about 20 years, we have about 630 young youth evangelists and missionaries spread out all over India. And by God's grace, that organization is uh, supporting them and the ministry is going on and on like that. In the meantime, I decided to help myself with the theological studies and knowledge. So I I went over to the States and joined a theological college in Church of God organization. Uh, I did my PhD and I, my subject was uh, all, about the, all about the Holy Spirit. And that is recognized as one of the best theses submitted in that college. And it is still sitting in the library for the future students to refer to that if they have to know anything about the Holy Spirit and the Bible. So that is how it became. Then I started uh, evangelizing. I was, I was called to many parts of the world. 
particularly in East Asian countries. I started the ministry, and then later on I visited uh, Western Europe, and then finally came to the U.S. and now settled down in Canada. <laughs> That's quite the journey. That's right. <laughs> Before you started all your theological studies, when you were a veterinarian, were there things as a veterinarian that you uh, learned about God and you saw God at work kind of through animals or creation and that kind of thing? <laughs> no. <This> no. <laughs> actually, that, that was actually my profession. So I was concentrating on uh, the Bible, uh, reading the Bible. And then, um, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time reading the Bible and equipped myself for the coming ministry and evangelism. That's how it started. <laughs> Did you grow up in a Christian home or, or how did you find God? What was it that drew you? Oh, oh, all right. That, I was born in a Christian home. My mother is a very, very good Christian praying lady. And she actually brought us up in the knowledge of the Bible. She wouldn't even give us breakfast if you don't, if you don't, if you don't uh, uh, study at least one psalm every day <laughs> and one <laughs> chapter in the proverb every day so that within the month uh, i was able to complete 30 psalms uh, i'm sorry five psalms a day i have to read and one chapter in proverb so that makes it one month i almost completed the psalm book of psalms and the proverbs uh, so it, that was going on repeating then that one word which caught my attention was uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So my mother keep telling me, you have to fear the Lord and walk in the fear of God, then you will get wisdom. So I prayed about it and I committed my life for that and God gave me wisdom and I started growing in that. That's how I got attached with the uh, Bible. And then when I was a student, one of my co-students who had then just then accepted the Lord in some other meeting somewhere. So he came and said uh, that I have to be, I have to accept the Lord and be saved. And then only your real life as a Christian starts. So that's how I committed my life. Uh, kind of a, a side note, but uh, just we've seen a rising increase in persecution in India in recent years. Do you have any insight on that and how we could be praying for the church in India? I do have because a lot of my own colleagues and my own friends are working in the northern part of India where the persecution is very high. Uh, they are actually, there is a lot, some of the states are uh, largely Hindus and they don't like Christians are uh, preaching the gospel and things like that. I do not know whether you remember, uh, I think it was 1959 or 69. Um, an, uh, an Australian evangelist who was working in Bihar among the non-Christians and the tribal people was burnt alive with his two sons in a jeep. That was on June, I mean, January 22nd, and we celebrated the Memorial Day. So the persecution is still going on, and a lot of churches have been brought down, burnt up uh, in the northern parts of India. In the southern parts, the persecution is now starting because uh, the people from the north are uh, coming into the south 
and trying to give a lot of problems for the churches in the South India. And we need a lot of prayer for those people who are working among them. As far as I could remember and know, there are more than 200 churches burnt down in the state of Tamil Nadu, where I come from. How was it, how was persecution when you were a child? When I was a, a child and a teenager, and I started my ministry, I never saw much of a persecution. We never heard. We were doing uh, open uh, gospel preaching. Like, could you imagine, we call it as uh, uh, silent uh, street witnesses. It's called as SSW. We just stand on the streets holding a big uh, banner that Jesus saves. Jesus is the only way and he is the way, he is the, uh, way the truth and the life. Those kind of banners, we, uh, plaques, and then we just silently standing in many of the streets at the same time, more than 20 or 30 people. And then we won't talk anything. And then we hold the tracts in our hands uh, and we start giving anybody who comes and asks, what are you doing here? We're just silently giving them the tracts. It was one of the challenging evangelical uh, thing which we did and we named it as silent state witnessing. And this is going on, as, I mean, even now <laughs> in some parts of the uh, cities. Shifting gears again, doctor, um, you're still passionate about evangelizing and reaching people with the good news of Jesus. What are some of the biggest shifts or concerns you, you've seen over the last several years when it comes to Christianity and reaching people? That is, that is one of the reasons why I came out with these two books. The first book which I came out with is Who Rules the World? Either God or Satan. You know what happened when I traveled all over the world, particularly in East Asian countries, suffering, suffering, suffering and suffering. And when I see the people suffering, one is they lack the knowledge of God. That is one thing. The other thing is they keep on asking, where is God? If God is alive and he is loving and he sees our suffering, why he is silent and not taking any action? Then that challenged me in my mind and heart. I said, there is something wrong here. If God is the real ruler and the kind of, uh, I believe he's the controller, but the real ruler is not God. That's why all these sufferings. I mean, I couldn't immediately come to any conclusion. I spent a lot of time, a lot of interviews, a lot of uh, things uh, whenever, wherever I traveled, everywhere, even in the developed countries in Western Europe and also in States and Canada, sufferings are there. So there should be some uh, meaning I should find out who is the cause for all these sufferings and who is the uh, rescuer or the redeemer from this suffering. And that led me to think about all these things uh, when I traveled across the world. Now you also have a second book, Doctrine of Law and Grace. Tell us about that one. <laughs> that is another interesting subject because as I was watching the social medias particularly, because I have been a radio preacher for a long time, more than almost 20 years. And sometimes I have gone on TV and uh, I'm seeing a lot of uh, social media 
uh, programs in Facebook and YouTube. And each one is holding on to some kind of a specific doctrine and they claim that that is the right one and all the others are wrong. Supposing if you take one group or one denomination, they say, this is the right thing. This is what we have to do and follow. All the rest of us are wrong. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't understand that. Bible is one. The spirit of God, who is the author of the book is one. But how can there be diversified denominations and everybody sticks on to one particular doctrine and they push it, push it over and over again and call all the others as wrong. I, I, I couldn't digest that. I couldn't accept it. I couldn't buy it. So I was pondering over that. Then I said, I remembered the last conversation before I got my PhD, the last conversation, uh, it was a oral kind of an interview with my head of the departments. And there were four of them sitting over there, uh, shooting me questions after questions about the thesis I submitted. And they all finally came to a conclusion that I'm totally, they are totally convinced that I can be awarded PhD. But then everything got over and they said, uh, doctor, I want, we want to ask you finally one question, which we ask everybody, every student. So we are going to ask you the same question. If you come out with your, your answer, let's see how best you have understood God and the Bible. Then I was a little perturbed. And then I said, go ahead, sir, I'm willing to. This is not going to decide our decision to give you the PhD. So don't worry about it. <laughs> give, you, give your thoughts as you feel. Then the question was, People claim that the Bible is contradictory in itself. Then I said, yes, emphatic, no. I said, explain your stand. Why do you say no? The Bible or the word of God, if you consider the author is the Holy Spirit, it cannot be contradictive and it is not contradicting to each other. But then, the people's opinion and understanding and interpretation of their thoughts come bring forth a lot of de different denominations. And finally, they have come to a state to say that Bible is contradictory in, each, in itself. I said, no, if, the, if they know the Bible thoroughly well and study it carefully with the, with the help of the Holy Spirit, <laughs> Nowhere I find any contradiction in the Bible whatsoever. So the, the doctrine of law and grace is now the, uh, the highest talked about topic uh, as we see it in this world. People are condemning the followers of the law and the grace is overspoken, which, is, which has now come to the stage of hyper grace or super grace and I have to mention this small incident which, which shook my entire thought, I mean, entire mind. Uh, once I was watching uh, a talk show and the talk show host uh, was talking about grace and grace and liberty in grace, freedom in grace, unconditional grace and go and so on. And then one lady, I make it short, 
one lady who was saved 15 years ago, gave up smoking, got married to a Christian. After 15 years, they got into controversy and they got divorced. She couldn't take it, so she went back to smoking. So he came on the studio and then he, I mean, on the talk show, and she asked him, can you help me? I, I, I have gone back to smoking again. I feel that I'm not, I'm not doing the right thing. So I want you to help me how to get over it. I said, sister, that man said, sister, that is not going to many make any change in you. What is after all a cigarette? It is a three inch long paper rolled with some herbal leaves. And by smoking that, you are not defiling your body. That is absolutely nothing. That's a wrong teaching. You can you 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 went back to smoking in order to come out of your depression. That's quite fine. Even if you smoke five thousand cigarettes, still you are not defiling your body. You are not doing anything against thing, against anything with God. You are totally free. Grace covers it up, and then uh, you are fine to go to heaven. My God, what's going on here? I couldn't stand it. I couldn't accept it. Then I. I wanted to call call him and talk to him, but anyway, he refused. That's okay. <laughs> then I uh, I asked. Then I was wondering what is going on here. Uh, then they always say, even now, many preachers are quoting many times, few times, or many times. I would say that God, Jesus Christ, died on the cross for your past sins, and your present sins, and your future sins. What? Say that again, past <laughs> sins, present sins, and future sins. So that means to say, once you accepted the Lord and become, uh, become saved, you are allowed to do keep on sinning, and then the grace will keep on covering you up. The Bible doesn't endorse that view. I'm sorry, brother. There is yeah, no coverage for the future sins, period. That's why I came out with this book. And this book gives a total revelation of that doctrine. Thank you. Uh, something like uh, theolog theologians would call cheap grace, kind of, right? And, <laughs> That's right. Um, and so your position is that Christ's grace is free for everybody to accept. And then when you accept it, that should be producing some sort of fruit then is what That's, you're getting at. That's right. That's my concept. I mean, that is where I stand. That's my stand. You have to be after getting, you have to be saved by grace through faith. I know these speakers never talk about even faith also. According to them, faith doesn't play any role once you are saved. I don't know. I mean, this is something which I can't understand even. So they don't talk about faith. They magnify grace over and over again in a superlative degree. And then they encourage people that you keep, you keep living the same life like before. Don't worry. Future sins are covered. You are under grace. You have got the straight ticket to go to heaven. So forget about it. Smoke as much as you want. Drink as much as you want. Live as much as you like. But you are saved and you are saved forever. It uh, kind of goes back to James, I guess. Faith without works is dead, right? Um, that's, that's correct. Now, faith doctor, are you <laughs> saying then once I put my faith in Jesus, I should live a completely sinless life? Not sinless life. You cannot live a sinless life because that's impossible. But whenever you just uh, open to or get into sin, 
what God wants, wants is to repent immediately and come back to him. Mm -hmm. At that time, his grace is open to accept you. But if you keep on sinning, you are dead. You are gone. You have no point of return. So you have to come back. You are back to square one, but the grace is available even if you commit sin, sins many times. It doesn't matter, but you have to repent and come back to God. The grace will then help you to, to uh, have a, a life with Jesus, life with the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember one morning listening to the radio station we work at and uh, a Chuck Swindoll sermon came on and he was talking about the power to flee from sin uh, through the Holy Spirit. When you feel that temptation, you turn to the Holy Spirit and flee. He just said flee. Yes. And I took a hold of that word and I started putting it into practice. And you know what? Like, yeah, maybe it feels like it's impossible uh, at times to resist sin, but that's why Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit, right? You know, that is an old Hindu uh, uh, yogi or somebody whom we call it. That that guy say that guy propagated one thought saying that if you want to overcome sin, yield to it. That shocked me. Yield to it. Yes, if you want to overcome a sin, yield to it. If, oh. you are, if you feel that you want to commit an adultery, go ahead and commit that adultery. You have overcome that feeling of adultery. Huh. Yeah, that no. Is, <laughs> that, is his, that is his version. And these grace preachers are almost going to that, towards that, that thing. Yeah, that's a good where, point. Which is, which is very, very bad. And that, that spread all over the all over United States. And later on, they found out that this man is a hoax and they chased him out of the U.S. For those then who want to learn more about which uh, about this specifically and about you, how can they go about doing that? I am on the radio, uh, local radio here, and I said I am writing a lot of articles in the local magazines, and uh, now and then, whenever I'm able to bring out books like this, I try to bring out books like this, and uh, God is working and God is opening many doors, and many pastors are hearing this and coming to me personally. And uh, uh, doctor, we want to learn from you because you, are, you seem to be giving the uh, proper and exact uh, exposition of the Bible. So now I'm doing that work because I'm now quite old. I had a heart attack and came out from that and God has given me a kind of second life. So I'm concentrating on that work without taking much strain on myself. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Yeah, I, I could talk your... to you for hours. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of things we can talk about. Yes. Thanks so much, Dr. John. Yes, please. I appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Don't forget to check out the Connections podcast with Colleen Hood and Mike Tom. It really, really helps us out when you subscribe. And you get a ton of bonus material in those podcasts not heard here on the radio show. You can find us at podcastfield.ca or places like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. We'll talk to you again on Connections.